For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. And welcome into the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. I am Noah Yingling, along with my co-expert for the site, Kevin Henry. Kevin, how are you doing tonight? I, I am good, Noah. Uh, just finished up the four-game series against the Dodgers at Coors Field, and uh, we got a lot to talk about, my friend. Yeah, a lot happened in the series. We are, film, uh, we are filming, recording this on uh, <laughs> Sunday night. And um, so the series just finished earlier today. And um, lots to uh, dive into for the series. Uh, you were at all four games and, of course, yeah. the press box. Yep. Um, so what were some of your main takeaways from the series against the Dodgers? I think one of the biggest takeaways and, and, you know, let's, let's caveat all of this by saying it's four games into the season. And I know we've got 158 to go. So you can say some of these may be overreactions, but I think there's some things that definitely jumped out. And and the first and perhaps scariest is how ineffective the starting pitching was for the Rockies during the series. Now, you know, we, we talked all spring training about what the Rockies needed in order to succeed in 2021. They needed health, and they needed their starting pitching to be good. And unfortunately, in this first series, outside of John Gray, who ironically was having a phenomenal game until full body cramps hit him, uh, you know, he was, he was the best of the four starters by far. Um, so what I saw were, uh, Chichi Gonzalez, uh, Chassin being needed to use, uh, sooner, uh, some bullpen roles, uh, with Stevenson, uh, you know, as an example that I still think they're trying to figure out. Uh, but to me, a lot of what stood out was, uh, starting pitching. Yeah. And on that starting pitching, I mean, the main problem was the lack of control. Marquez walked six. Gomber today walked, what, seven? Yep. Yeah. It, yeah, if you look, uh, the, the, Do- the Dodgers took 23 base on balls during the four-game series. Uh, that right now leads or is tied, uh, ironically, with the Padres for the most in Major League Baseball. Now, the key thing to know about that is obviously the Padres have opened up with a four game series against the Diamondbacks who are coming in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I know we're going to get to that in a little bit, but you know, what, what I saw was a, a lack of control, especially by the starters that really put pressure on the Rockies early and had Herman Marquez not had the benefit of double plays. It might've been a whole different start in that opening day, what turned into a win 
So, you know, again, lots, lots to think about, lots to noodle. One start through the four-man rotation, knowing Chi-Chi will be the fifth. Uh, Bud Blight did talk today about how that will likely be April 10th, but could be moved up sooner if he feels like one of his pitchers needs an extra day of rest. So, you know, this, this next turn the, through the rotation, I think is going to be really pivotal for this team. Um, if, if there was one guy that you think that might need an extra day's rest, who, nah, obviously this is just speculation, who would you think it would be, though? Uh, speculation might be Sensatella, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. He didn't go that deep, obviously, uh, you know, in his uh, pitches and everything else, but he just looked off. And so did Herman. Don't get me wrong. They both did. Uh, I don't think Gray is going to miss any time. Uh, Bud talked about that earlier today with us that, uh, you know, he thought that he'd be making his next start, which is scheduled for Thursday afternoon. Uh, and with what Chi-Chi pitched today coming in in relief of Gomber, with the off day tomorrow and knowing that he probably won't be used uh, in the Tuesday night game where Herman Marquez will take the mound again, uh, it's conceivable he could be ready for a Wednesday if they would need him, I think. Yeah, and that was one of the bright spots of the weekend was Chi-Chi, particularly today. Today. He had three innings where he pitched very well. Um, and frankly, that's pitching wise. That's at, that's one of the few uh, strong points as we just discussed, because every, every one of the starters, at least either were ineffective or were injured. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, obviously you would like some more out of the offense because they hit 222 on the weekend. Um, and especially against um, on Sunday, they had what two hits through the first seven innings. And yeah, it was the first hit was by Austin Gomber himself. <laughs> <laughs> the, the irony that he's the one that broke up uh, any thought of a no hitter. Yeah. Like uh, Bauer and, and the nation were fawning over Friday night. Um, but, but you're exactly right. You take away that one inning where the Rockies hit four homers in that inning. And these offensive stats go down quite a bit. Yeah, very anemic. Yeah. Um, and I mean, in general, too, for the offense, one of the things, and we'll have to see how it um, develops, and tomorrow in particular for the off day, and then on Tuesdays with Josh Fuentes. He was in the starting lineup. And then he was a late scratch. Yep. Yeah. And what Bud uh, said after the game today, which is Sunday again, uh, he said that uh, the wrist actually started getting sore on Josh during Saturday night's game and then uh, just progressively got worse uh, enough that they needed to scratch him an hour before, which again, knowing Rocky's versatility, there was a ton of shifts uh, in positions and Jonathan Daza ended up because of it getting his first start of the season. He was not originally scheduled to start, but you know, Josh has obviously started out very slow. Is the wrist a part of that? Possibly. Uh, but the strikeouts are, are a little bit concerning again, just four games into the season, but still there's a little bit of reason for you to go, okay, is this something to worry about? And 
frankly, I mean, as much as some people have ragged on him for having poor offensive numbers in the past, the guy who has been the best arguably so far in the series is Chris Owen. Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, and I know um, obviously the numbers, whenever it was announced, he was going to be the leadoff hitter on Sunday. I know a lot of folks were like, what? Yeah. They're like, Oh boy, here we go. (laughs) But, but you know, if you look, it's, you know, at what he had done, Bud is a manager who plays the hot hand. He is that kind of manager. It's not a bad thing at all because he goes with whoever is swinging the bat well at the moment. Owings is swinging the bat well at the moment. I mean, he's four for 10. Uh, He has the two stolen bases for the team so far. Uh, You know, he's, he's been a good spark. At least he was on opening day. Now, with the off day, will that change a little bit? Uh, you know, will we see that Tapia Hampson top of the lineup, uh, you know, trying to kickstart that? It, it'll be interesting to see. And speaking of uh, Tapia, one thing from this weekend, he was, of course, he was not in the starting lineup on Sunday. Right. But um, I know you and I talked about this off the air a little bit. P- part of it is bad luck. Um Part of it is he really needs to work defensively. He is, at least in my opinion, he is a well below average defensive outfielder. Um, some of the numbers show show that. Some do not. Some of it is that's just the eye test for me. Um, but uh, that was the main thing he tried working on this spring training. And at least so far, I mean – Fox Sports was saying what's wrong with his glove. So, <laughs> yeah, well, and and you know the let's take away the two catches that everybody's focused on right now. I mean, obviously, you know, if you take those out of the equation and you look at his defense during this series, there was a really bad overthrow on Saturday night that ended up uh, where the Dodgers runner ended up taking second base. There was a time in Thursday's opener where he misplayed a fly ball, uh, you know, and you and I talked a little bit about that, uh, you know, on, on tweet or on text, I should say. So again, four games in, but there were a couple of defensive things that, that I saw being there. Even if you take away the circus catches and everything else, still things that you're like, there's some, there's some defensive work to do. And I was joking in the press box earlier today that, Tapia is actually becoming a great candidate for why the DH needs to happen in the, in the national league. Um, You know, could, I still think that there's opportunity for Daza to show his defense. I think Sam Hilliard has hardly seen the field uh, in this four game series, uh, you know, and and there's been such talk about his defense as well. Uh, We know Charlie's going to be in right. So there's no, there's no reason to even think otherwise. But, you know, if you could get Daza hitting, you know, again, if there was a DH and you could put Tapia on the bench just as a as that hitter, that spark, uh, that might not be such a bad thing. Yeah, and I mean, that's obviously there's still plenty of time for him to uh, work on it for the rest of the season, considering it's only four games. But it's it's been a problem for him in general, and it's been a problem for the Rockies in general. I mean – if 
let's say you have Tapia DH and Blackman's in right. Should Blackman be in right? I mean, especially if he's still in a Rockies uniform two, three years down the road when right. he's 37, 38 years old. But do you have a guy that's nearly 10 years younger in Tapia that is not, a, at least right now, is not a good defender? Well, and, and you know, it, it brings up the question of Rockies defense during the series as well. Uh, you know, there were some moments that, you know, uh, and, you know, we, we saw the Fuentes uh, grounder that opened up a two-run rally for, for the Dodgers. Uh, I believe that was Saturday night. Uh, we saw uh, today with Gomber uh, a double play ball. It could have gotten him out of the first inning. Uh, obviously a bad throw. Uh, C.J. Crone has bobbled a couple of balls. Uh, you know, there, there's been a lot, lot of things after Thursday's opening day when our Rockies fans were taking great delight in how the Dodgers were bumbling around that the next three days the Rockies have definitely shown uh, they could tighten things up on the defensive front. Yeah, and – uh, with Gomber, he isn't the only one that had an error um, this weekend for the pitchers as well, um, because uh, Stevenson had an error. And if I'm not mistaken, um, Ben Bowden had an error as well. I'm at, at, at least originally, I think it was scored as an error. I'm not sure if that was changed after or not. Um, but yeah, that's something with the pitchers too, where they aren't fielding that well. Yeah. And I think that, There's a lot to be said for the Rockies are playing the Dodgers. There's a lot to be said for the defending champs. This is arguably the best team in baseball they opened up with. Understand that completely. But at the same time, just like if you're playing a Gonzaga or somebody who's really, really good in their sport, you've got to be on top of your game. The Rockies simply weren't uh, this homestand, uh, or at least the first part of this homestand. Now we'll see what they do with the Diamondbacks the next three nights, but still. And the thing is, too, they they won one of four. But they easily could have won more than that. Absolutely. I had Austin Gomber, for example, today. Had he not walked seven guys, he allowed one hit in three innings. But he allowed three runs because he walked seven. Um, So the control, uh, obviously, that's a big takeaway. But um, just the small things, like with Tapia and the cutoff man. Okay, the, maybe it doesn't impact you right now, but if that happens again, even on Tuesday, okay, that might cost you a run or two. Right. And that could be the difference between the game or not. Um, and to add on your point about the DH, as soon as I saw the thing with John Gray getting injured, and it was reported that he started feeling it when he had a bat in his hand. I'm like, oh boy, yeah. Uh, does this just not scream DH? Yeah. And there's been some people, like for example, Ryan Spielborgs, who's been on that wagon. And then there were some people who were not on the bandwagon for that before. Um, after they saw it in 2020, they were on it. I've I've been on it for. A while now I, I do understand the point of not having the dh you know, like the strategy and all that but the problem is is you have players that are i wouldn't say quite mike trout level because mike trout can do everything but they're 
they're very close to the Mike Trout level and they're still not even hitting 300 yeah. consistently. And how, so how in the world are you going to expect a pitcher to go up there and face a hundred mile per hour fastball? When uh, this weekend I was actually in Chicago, I saw the pirates and Cubs in person and former Rocky Tyler Anderson was starting for the pirates. He was facing Jake Arrieta. Jake Arrieta is not that great of a pitcher right now because part of it is injuries. Part of it, he's getting older and Tyler Anderson. It's not like he's throwing a hundred miles an hour. He's topping out at 89 to 92 range. And each of the opposing pitchers um, who everyone we were sitting around, we were like, Oh, three pitches. He's gone. Strike, strike, strike. See ya. Uh, why even send him up there? Right. With Arietta in particular, there were two times where he went up with two outs and runners on base. I'm like, oh, if you had the DH right now, you might actually be able to get a guy in. But Jake Arietta's up. Sure, he has a career 167 batting average, and that's good for pitchers. That's the problem. And then they're like, oh, okay, one, two, three, see ya. Back in the dugout. So the Cubs ended up winning, but they could have gotten so much more out of it had it not been, oh, two outs, pitchers up. Okay, one, two, three, see ya. Where anybody else, even guys who are not great offensive players in the past, for example, Chris Owings, if he's in there every day or even some of the time, he's still a better hitter than Jake Arrieta is. Sure. And with the exception of a few pitchers like Herman Marquez, Every single MLB position player is a better hitter than that. So why not give another guy a job and let him hit? Now, sure, you could say, well, he's only doing half the job. Pitchers are doing that right now, too, because they can't hit. Yeah, there are a lot of, are a lot of Shohei Otanis out there. Let's be perfectly yeah. honest. Yeah, and speaking of which, she's batting second tonight. And the first time a pitcher has hit second in a lineup – since 1903, if I remember correctly. So definitely an interesting anecdote there. So we will uh, preview the Diamondback series, and we'll talk about a few other things as well on the other side of this break. We are back here on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report, and I'm Noah Yingling along with Kevin Henry, and we will, after talking about the Dodgers and Rockies series, we'll preview the Diamondbacks Rocky series that will start on Tuesday here right now. So for the Diamondbacks, they were in San Diego. They also lost three or four like the Rockies. Um, they, however, lost the first three and they salvaged the final game of the series. Um, their problem. Well, uh, the, obviously in losing three or four, they had a few different problems, but um, if you look for example, look at their um, team batting average. They hit 217. That, that's one of the, one problem right there. Um, but just even looking at the games, Thursday was opening day, and they had a re- uh, they lost eight to seven. So that tells right there, okay, they gave up eight runs. That's a problem. By the way, Fernando Tatis did not have a great series. So it wasn't Tatis either. Um, they lost uh, the Diamondbacks lost four to two on Friday. 
And then on Saturday, they lost seven to nothing. And then today, Sunday, they won three to one. So with the exception of that eight to seven game, their offense has not been that great. So that's, that's one of the things that perhaps the Rockies starting pitching can gain their ground a little bit. Um, since, as we talked about last segment, they were not swimming with flying colors um, in the first series. So that is one of the things definitely to look for during the series. Yeah, and, and for me in this series, it's, it's all about the, the Rockies starting pitching. Uh, you know, as, as we talked about before the break, this was not a good opening series for Rocky starters with the exception of John Gray, who again will go on Thursday. Uh, he's scheduled to go up against uh, Merrill Kelly. Uh, again, if, if the rotation holds as it kind of projects out, um, Merrill Kelly and John Gray will go on Thursday. Uh, on Wednesday, you've got Madison Bumgarner, uh, who hopefully uh, won't be doing any outdoor activities uh, in, <laughs> in Colorado uh, before he takes the mound. <laughs> but uh, he will, you know, but he's likely going to go up against Sensatella again if that's how this moves forward, uh, which you know it's possible it could uh, change. And then your opener is going to be Luke Weaver for the Diamondbacks and Marquez. Uh, Bud Black did say today that Marquez would take the mound Tuesday night. Uh, so, you know, what's it going to look like for the Rockies? And can they get up on top quickly against the Diamondbacks? Uh, you know, that's something that I'm going to be watching in each of the three games is who gets on top quickly and then – what happens from there? And I think for the Rockies, just from a mentality standpoint, as well as, let's be honest here, this is now going to go from a Diamondbacks three-game series, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, in Colorado, immediately to San Francisco for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we've talked in past podcasts about that dip back to sea level. We know what the bullpen is going to look like. We know there's going to be some stress put on the bullpen if the starters cannot go long as they did against the Dodgers. Uh, I will tell you, Noah, this Monday off day that the Rockies had, it comes at an excellent time, even though it's early in the season. Yeah, and that's one of the things with sometimes with the early schedules, um, particularly for cities in cold weather, um, they are very um, peculiar. For, for example, I think this might actually take the cake for the oddest one I've ever seen. Now, you've been around longer than me, so see if you think this is – if you've ever seen this. So Cleveland, they opened their season in Detroit. That First problem right there. Why are – and th- I think they're only facing each other six times in the month of April, which usually it's like, for example, and I think it was 2019 Rockies and Padres – they faced each other like nine times. It's usually that way with the Indians and Tigers, which makes no sense. Sidebar, you have Cleveland and Detroit facing each other, but you have the Florida teams facing each other to start yeah. the season. That, that makes total sense. Right. Um, so they had, they had a built-in off day because they do that in usually the colder cities. Um, so you have a day to make up for opening day if you need it. So they had a game off day and then two more games. Cleveland has their home opener against Kansas city tomorrow. 
Monday. They have an off day for the, after that because in case they have to make up their home opener, which it doesn't look like they will. They play Kansas City on Wednesday. They have another off day on Thursday. Wow. So they have game, off day, game, off day. Last I checked, this isn't the NBA. Wow. Last I checked. Could be wrong. But <laughs> that's, built, that's building in a lot of cushion right there just in case of the, uh, the cold weather for sure. And the thing is, it's, it's not, at least as of now, it's Ohio weather, so God knows it's going to change while yeah. we're recording this. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so they have game off day, game off day, and then they face uh, Detroit and then for three games, but they, and then they don't have another off day for another week and a half. But you have two off days in three days, and it's built into the schedule. That's a problem. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. What are they doing? But uh, I digress on that. Um, no, there's there's a lot that you go. I I don't understand. But, <laughs> you know. yeah. Or like two game home stands. Like uh, it right. makes no sense. But again, I digress on that. So um, so with the Diamondbacks, um, they they struggled obviously this weekend. They are um not going to be on the top of the NL West um, at the end of the season. Um, but like with the Rockies, their key is their starting rotation. Um, for the first game, Luke Weaver, as you mentioned, is starting. And the thing with him is, which Luke Weaver are you getting? Are exactly. you getting the 2019 one that started in 12 games and had a 294 ERA? Or are you getting the Luke Weaver of... 2020 who in the same amount of starts 12 went one and nine with a 658 ERA. So it's obviously a little bit less of a sample size, but it's kind of like Kyle Freeland in 2018 or 2019. That's why heading into last year, we were like, which one are you getting? Right. Is most likely it's somewhere in the middle of that, but are you getting sub three ERA? Are you getting, six and a half plus ERA. Yeah. And, and I think honestly, the Diamondbacks would be fine with somewhere in the middle. Uh, that, that's a guess. Um, you know, and, and you and I have talked in past podcasts about the first 10 games of the season, how important that is because not only are you all NL West in those games, but six of the 10 are against teams that you're going to be jockeying with if you really don't want to finish last in the division. And so another thing that I'm watching when this series happens Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at Coors Field is how do the Rockies really stack up compared to the Diamondbacks? Yes, it's going to be early. Yes, it's a three-game series in April. But, you know, can they take two of those three? Can they put together a sweep? You know, I mean, little things like that build toward if this team can really do better than their record, or a lot of people suggest their record is going to be, and if they have a chance of climbing out of the projected bottom of the NLS standings. And this may sound a little bit simplistic, but if you look at a three-game series, the only difference between – top tier teams and bottom tier teams is winning one of three or two of three. That's a good point. 
Because if you win one of three, you are a 54 and 108 team for an entire season. If you win two of three, you are a 108 win team. So that's a, the difference between a one game and a two, uh, one win and a two win series. It's huge. It is. And, and I think this is a team that, you know, we, we've talked about the youth on this team. We've talked about, you know, the, the guys who are hungry for the chance to prove themselves. Well, prove yourselves with a winning series. Get some momentum heading into that first road trip of the season where, again, you're playing another team that maybe you can, you know, leapfrog in the standings if all goes well. You know, it, it's going to be important. These next six games I really see is pretty important for – uh, the Rocky psyche uh, heading into the rest of the season. Cause let's not forget lurking after these first 10 games are the Dodgers at Dodger stadium. Yeah. Which as we all know, the Rockies, at least in the past have not played particularly great ball there. I, I will be back at Coors field uh, this week, uh, Wednesday and Thursday for the, the final two games of the Diamondbacks series. Uh, so looking forward to being back for those. Obviously, we will be bringing you all the information we can from Coors, Diamondbacks, Rockies, and then off to San Francisco for a weekend series. So, uh, hey, Noah, any, uh, uh, you know, any final uh, Rockies thoughts, I guess I should say, before we wrap up here, my friend? This isn't a Rockies thought, but just a thought in general from earlier. All right, let's do it. The NL needs to adopt the DH. Oh, yeah. I don't think they will. They will with the CBA coming up this offseason. So that will be an issue, a huge, huge issue. And I mean issue this offseason. It's a good hot take and a good prediction. And and I agree. I think it's time for the DH to come, uh, you know, for a number of reasons that we've already talked about. So, Noah, hey, enjoyed the time as always, man. And uh, we'll be interested to see what this week holds ahead. Yep, Absolutely. All right. Hey, thanks to everybody for listening to the Rocks Power Rockies Report. We always appreciate you tuning in. And as always, go Rockies. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.